I'm David Bank, and from Impact Alpha, this is an Agents of Impact podcast. And I'll just confess to you, it continues to be a matter of kind of pushing a boulder up a, up a hill. Had it, has it gotten easier? Yes. But is it easy? No. And do I think that even today when I go into the market, my partners and I, to raise uh, capital, that um, you know we walk in and we present our case and it's kind of cut and dried. You know, you've got the performance, you've got the history, you've got reputable investors behind you. This ought to be an easy decision. Uh, I have yet to experience that. That's Larry Morse, CEO of Fairview Capital in West Hartford, Connecticut. Fairview's Foundations Emerging Managers Fund invests in diverse emerging fund managers to try to redress the glaring imbalances in asset management. I caught up with Larry, along with Christine Looney from the Ford Foundation and Nayata Kumbuli, head of impact investments at Visa Foundation, to dig into strategies to change not only who gets funded, but who does the funding. Let's jump right into our conversation. I'm delighted to have all of you because you're all going to sort of illuminate different parts of what I think is a very exciting strategy that tries to, as we said at the top, um, kind of make a dent in this ongoing problem of the lack of diversity, really, in asset management. And um, I think it started with uh, with you and, and, and the Ford Foundation, Christine. So why don't you lead us off and just give us the context? Great. Well, I'm excited to be here with Nayada and Larry and to talk about this great partnership. And yeah, David, as, as you said, it, it starts with Ford and it really starts in 2017 when the Ford Foundation Board of Trustees approved a new billion dollar allocation from our endowment for a mission related investment strategy. And our goal for that portfolio then and today is to do two things, to generate strong risk adjusted financial returns for the foundation's endowment, um, and to make investments that align with Ford's social justice mission. Um, today, Ford focuses on reducing inequality in all of its forms. And as we developed the investment strategy for our mission-related investment portfolio, thinking about inequality, we immediately were looking at the inequality that exists in terms of who owns and manages investment assets. And so we were quick to develop an investment strategy that really named diverse fund managers as an impact in and of itself that we were seeking to accomplish through our investment portfolio. And our, our theory of change there really was to say, if we invest in diverse owned and managed funds, those funds would be more likely to build diverse teams to invest in diverse founders for those founders, um, to invest in companies that more likely supported um, a lower income and diverse consumer base, and we're addressing some of the needs in those communities. And often we found these fund managers were more likely to be giving back to their communities. And so that was our theory kind of setting out. And we thought, how can we best go about this and be expansive and responsive to the market in as quick and efficient as a way as we can. And we identified Fairview Capital Partners as a partner we really wanted to work with. And, and that was because Fairview had, at least to our knowledge, been in the market doing this for the longest. Um, they were an incredibly values-aligned partner and, and looked at this issue in a similar way to Ford's. Roy Swan on our team had known Larry um, for a long time, and we knew that they had really 
incorporated lessons learned because they'd been at this for as long as they had. Their pipeline of managers was incredible. And they were, as their name suggests, they were really out in the market to give fund managers a fair view, a fair opportunity. And that's what we were hoping to accomplish. We want the markets to be inclusive to all and and not just a select few. Okay, Larry, um, help us sort of unpack some of those issues. You've been at it this a long time, and you've been um, investing um, in in multiple different ways. And when Ford came to you with this idea, you know, what did you tell them the sort of you know opportunities and obstacles might be? So first, David, uh, thank you for having me. It's a delight to be here, and always good to see you, Christine um, and the Yada. So our thesis was really quite simple. Um, Given changes in the makeup of the boards of a number of public pension funds at that time, some of whom were beginning to raise questions about kind of who's stewarding this capital. You got, you know, the, the workers who are contributing to these public funds, if you will, are very diverse. Yet when you kind of take a look at where the money's going and who's money, managing it, none of the people who manage it look like the people who are creating it in the first place. Um, and so those questions were being raised at the board level. And some pressure was being brought to bear to try to figure out ways to create more diversity, uh, non-correlated uh, you know, opportunities inside of a number of these portfolios. And so we thought, look, we, could, we can bridge the two. We know this space. We know the managers who have track records doing this successfully. If we can aggregate a pool of capital uh, to, in effect, go out and demonstrate uh, that you can be successful, you can generate market-level returns uh, in this space, um, you know, we'll be serving uh, dual purposes, uh, d- democratizing the capital markets um, to some degree, and at the same time, um, giving people who have not had an opportunity to manage different types of capital the opportunity to do so and support diverse entrepreneurs. So that was kind of our initial thesis. We raised just shy of $100 million in our first fund. And since that time, over time, have aggregate capitalization of a little north of $10 billion. And we've done this over uh, many funds, if you will. So at the point in time when Ford reached out to us, we were doubly delighted, uh, in part because for most of our history, most of our support, quite frankly, had come from public pension funds, states and municipalities, um, and or corporates. If you looked at, you know, kind of the endowment and foundation world, less than 1% of, of, you know, capital managed by diverse managers, uh, came from those sources. So to have a reputable foundation like Ford uh, put a stake in the ground and say, we want to change this and we want to serve a catalytic purpose uh, in this area to us was was really quite astounding, quite gratifying. And so we were really excited about the opportunity to partner with them. Uh, and we did so. That's great. And I want to sort of come back to some of the the issues and really where Christine started of, of what those um, follow-on effects and impacts might be. But let's bring it up to date and bring Nayada in um, and just tell us about Nayada, the fund that you invested in and why Visa Foundation, the slightly newer kid on the block in the foundation world than Ford, joined up with this effort. Yeah, thank you, David. A pleasure to be here with everyone. Um, the foundation is focused on supporting gender diverse and inclusive small businesses. So as we think about our strategies, both on the grant making and the investment side, we really want to align all of our activity to our mission. And so when we think about some of the challenges in the U.S. as it relates to um, women and people of color, uh, 
entrepreneurs and how um, and the challenges that they face raising capital, we wanted to create an ecosystem approach to some of the solutions around capital um, gaps and barriers. So we really thought about what are some of these fund of funds opportunities out there that are supporting emerging fund managers, because we know that emerging fund managers tend to be either women-led or led by people of color. That is, Christine said as well, in turn, invest in more diverse entrepreneurs themselves. We wanted to look at opportunities that had that aligned both from a strategic perspective, but also from a, a return and risk perspective, because as a multi-asset class investor, we were particularly looking into the private equity space, where could we come in? And so there was no uh, kind of like a no-brainer exercise that the opportunity with Fairview and the fund that Ford Foundation had structured with them was at the top of that list. Um, and then as we work closer with Christine, but also Larry, it was very uh, important to us to under, not to to take kind of like this diversity lens across all the different um, layers. So not only the strategy and the journey that Larry and Joanne had had themselves as it relates to building a multi-billion dollar asset management firm, but also the lessons learned that they had had during that journey and how they would take that expertise and, and translate it and support um, this new uh, newcomers, emerging fund managers in their journey as well. Our goal was very much to kind of like create this capital continuum both at the emerging fund uh, fund manager level because um, raising fund one is important, but then how do you go to fund twos and threes and then get to that level of scale? And then how these fund managers were using this information to support um, their own entrepreneurs and the clients of these entrepreneurs. And then the last piece that I would say is um, that Christine mentioned it, this is, you know, like, part of the MRI bucket of the Ford Foundation. We at the Visa Foundation think very similarly um, in, the, in the sense of um, we're using capital to push uh, and advance our mission. And we really want to create those opportunities where they have outsized impact, but also prudent financial return and that fit that bucket. And so bringing out the risk return profile of this fund and doubling it down also with a really deep impact that the fund is having, not just at the emerging fund manager level, but also at the products and solutions that these entrepreneurs are trying to address for us was extremely important. Okay. Let me let me just summarize it possibly for the listeners, but also for myself of what I understand that we have at play here. We have a fund, a limited partnership. I think it's a 12-year partnership, not sometimes the, the typical 10 years, but uh, Ford came into it early and helped... Uh, set it up and has, I think, put $60 million in. Visa Foundation, as I understand, came in more recently um, and has put $10 million in, and there's some others, and I think the total fund is something like $72.5 million. And Larry, you are managing this, and Fairview is managing this, and, and investing then in managers below that who are then investing in companies. So it's a fund of funds of diverse and emerging managers. Maybe just so that we can sort of understand really what we're talking about, tell us a, a, about a couple or of these managers that you found and what what sort of makes them stand out so so, so let me frame that first david the focus of the the partnership is to uh back first second third time private equity funds sponsored by thir- firms with substantial uh, minority and woman ownership um and with respect to strategies they span the spectrum so you have venture capital funds and we have the ability to commit to venture capital of funds of a certain up to a certain size, in, in our case, two hundred and fifty million, and buyout and growth funds up to five hundred million. And so the managers underneath are pursuing a variety of different kinds of strategies. The one thing that I want to point out is key here that's common to all of our managers 
is that these are experienced investors with very verifiable track records. So that even if they are raising a first fund, if you will, they have experience investing elsewhere before going out and hanging out their shingle uh, to attempt to raise a first-time fund. So we're never investing, committing capital to novices. These are people who've either apprenticed at reputable venture capital and private equity firms, or they've been apprenticed inside of corporate finance operations, or much larger you know, private equity uh, asset management organizations. So by the time they're going out and partnering with others to found their own firms, there's some indicia of what their abilities are to to basically be able to generate appreciated capital on behalf of their investors. Let me, let me stop you actually, because this is something that, that we've we've noticed over time is that there's obviously a a, a, a hurdle or no, that uh, first time fund managers have to overcome. Many of them actually have experience, like you said, they're technically a first time fund manager, but they're not for really first time investors. But then on the other hand, the, some of the uh, uh, data shows that these first-time fund managers actually outperform, um, whether it's because the funds are smaller, maybe because they have the pipeline in their hip pocket when they go into it. Maybe it's just because they're younger and hungrier and 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 working harder. Um, so why, if first-time manager first-time managers outperform, is there such a do they have such a hard time raising capital? I think part of it is a, it's a matter of myth and lack of knowledge. Uh, everything you've just um, suggests that it's true, but you'd have to be familiar with the data um, to know that. People hear first time and immediately assume novice, inexperienced, don't know their way around a track record, and will focus on the risk end of the spectrum. If they're first time, the team is probably new working to their, together or maybe new. They might not cohere under the pressures of doing this kind of investing. You can think of any number of risks that come to mind when you think of backing somebody that's new to something. Part of our task as, uh, as, as, as an investor and as a fund of funds manager is to sort through precisely those kinds of, of matters. What is a particular team's experience set? What does their deal flow look like? What types of companies have they assisted in building over time? How have they worked with entrepreneurs um, to bring to bear uh, a particular skills and abilities to help them scale their companies? Uh, all those things matter. And that's one of the reasons, quite frankly, why, why I think that, uh, you know, Ford reached out to us and, and that gives Visa a certain amount of comfort in dealing with us. Uh, we've done this kind of thing, as I suggested to you, for close to three decades now. And that's how we spend our time evaluating such opportunities. There are today uh, in the neighborhood of 600 emerging manager firms uh, in the country. Right. At any given point in time, you're likely to see over 200 or so in the market attempting to raise capital. Somebody has to sort through uh, those opportunities and choose those, quite frankly, who have the highest likelihood, the highest probability of being successful. Because at the end of the day, look, success builds on success. We, we're not interested here, neither our investors or us, um, in putting capital in situations where we're likely to fail. There's, there's, there's too much history of that kind of thing and people being able to say reflexively, we tried that, it didn't work, we don't need to do that again. So it's important, uh, quite frankly, that we be successful in what we're doing because we want it to last, right? We're looking for longevity. We're looking to change the landscape in the country in certain ways. And you can only do that 
um, if you're able to demonstrate that you're successful with this type of activity. Give us an example or two of, of the kinds of funds uh, that the fund is investing in. Okay, so one of the firms that comes uh, immediately to mind is Equal Ventures, uh, which is a venture capital firm focused on investing in early stage technology companies targeting legacy markets. And that firm was co-founded by uh, Richard Kirby and Rick Zullo. Um, Richard Kirby is uh, someone that we as a firm, Fairview as a firm, had gotten to know through his prior positions at, at firms well before he decided to step out and start his own firm. So we first got to know him when he was a young associate at IVP, Institutional Venture Partners, out on the West Coast. He left IVP and spent another six or seven years with uh, Venrock um, in New York. So by the time that he decides he's going to go out and hang his shingle, um, he's someone that we watch for you know a decade or so, if you will. So he's an experienced investor. He has a sense of the places where he's been successful deploying institutional capital. And he part chooses as a partner someone that he's done deals with over a, a five-year period from different platforms, looks at the world in a similar fashion, but they have certain complementary uh, experiences and skill sets. And so they're going to team up and, and start this firm. Um, and uh, we back their first fund. We back their second fund. If you look beneath the, the fund and the to the kinds of companies that they're backing, um, there's very significant diversity um, in the management teams, the entrepreneurs who are, are running those companies. And that's not a matter of our having determined before looking at them. We're only interested because you're going to invest in diverse entrepreneurs, but rather we want to invest in you because you've got a network that you've built over time of entrepreneurs that are likely to bring attractive uh, deals to you. You've got a skill set based on certain industry verticals where you're incredibly knowledgeable and well-known and are likely to be able to attract other sophisticated co-investors to assist your companies, all of which is played out in the investment thesis of that particular firm. Um, another firm that comes to mind is Ulu Ventures that was uh, founded in mid-2008 by Miriam Rivera and Clint Corver out in California, and they sort of leveraged the Stanford um, ecosystem. You know, I think between the two of them, they have something like six Stanford degrees, if you will, and have served on all kinds of different advisory boards, tech, technology transfer, you name it. Um, you can't find anybody in the entrepreneurial matrix surrounding uh, Stanford University that doesn't know them. So they've got kind of tremendous relationships and, and deal flow. And again, we've, you know, kind of backed their first two firms, funds now, incredible diversity beneath um, you know, the, the diverse, you know, general partner team, if you will. Uh, That's saying a lot uh, yeah. because that Stanford ecosystem, as you well know, is 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 quite large. Incredibly and, uh... large and rich. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's, it's very much playing out as, as we imagined that it that it would, David. Well, let me press a little bit further then on the sort of strategy, the theory of change, as the foundation people like to say, um, because one of the other data points I think that comes out is that um, there's a certain skepticism, I would say, of emerging manager programs, not because of the intent, but because of the effectiveness and that the kinds of um, things that happen is that somebody can raise a first fund, but has trouble raising a, a, a second fund. I think you're probably familiar with the um, the research that came out of Stanford and Spark a, a couple of years back that showed that the better performance 
of diverse managers, actually the harder it became to raise funds, which was very counterintuitive until you started thinking about it. And the way the way I think it got unpacked was, you know, you got a pass on the first one, but the second one, you know, was was seen as more serious. And then all the biases and and risk factors that you mentioned come into play again. And so even even good performance doesn't overcome that. So so how do you how do you get to a strategy that actually changes the industry? So so, so here's where the work comes in because l- l- let's talk in practical terms, which are likely to be looking at at the time that a first time manager comes back to market having raised a successful a successful first fund, if you will, um, and they're coming back to market. Let's let's say in you know two and a half, three, somewhere between two and a half and four years. At that point, they've been investing um, you know, for a fairly short time period. They probably put capital to work in, let's call it 20 to 30 underlying portfolio companies, many of which themselves are very early stage uh, companies. Um, so on one level, there's limited indicia of success. They've not been able to exit many of these companies. Most will have a four to seven year time frame before they're at a point where there's any harvesting to be done. Are those companies have been built to a scale where they're likely to be attractive to the public markets or to potential acquirers. So the work then has to focus on how are those companies actually performing and what indicia do you have that supports the initial investment thesis of these managers? That is really time-consuming granular work. And if you do that work and you're able to sort through you know, there's those firms that are actually on track doing exactly what they said they would do, even if you can't point to money in the bank at that point, um, you continue to support those managers. In time, that portfolio will, in fact, get to a point where you can, uh, there are exits, there are returns, et cetera, et cetera. But that's the challenge between kind of a fund one and a fund two, if you will. It's a very, um, you know, difficult and challenging assessment. Um, to be made. And sometimes you get it wrong, but you do have to be willing to do the work. And if you if you take a reflexive, simple, oh, they haven't generated returns yet. I'm not going to back those guys. They've done all the hard work to get on the playing field. They've done exactly what they told you as an investor they would do. They're at the point where they should be in year three. And you're saying to them, oh, I don't see returns, so I can't support you further. Uh, we, we've seen that you know, kind of attitude on the parts of, you know, a number of institutional investors over time. And that's one of the challenges to be overcome um, in this space. All the more important then that you have um, investors who are knowledgeable about those processes, understand the kind of assessment that has to be made, and are willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work uh, to come to intelligent, informed answers. That takes it back to, to Christine, because you not only or Ford, I should say, got in, in in 2019 and got this all started. But then you re-upped. So presumably you had seen something that you liked and that that there was some traction in this strategy, both presumably at an investment side, but also maybe in the the other theory of change, which is getting foundations to understand the the strategy and and to join you in this. So what did you what did you see in those first few years that made you want to um, double down? Yeah, I, we've been incredibly just um, excited by the progress of of the portfolio and Fairview as a partner. I think when I spoke about the theory of change, I um, I spoke about, you know, the likelihood of, of these managers backing more diverse founders, not having explicit strategies necessarily to do so, but just because of their network, um, ultimately doing that or giving back to their communities or 
um, taking leadership roles in in racial justice. And, and that has happened across the board in the portfolio that Larry and his team have put together. Um, there are just some, I mean, they're all they're all amazing managers, but there are definitely some standouts in terms of the leadership roles they're taking on, the innovation they're um, bringing forward in new models in terms of how to think about care, how to allocate carry more equitably, how to bring a new universe of investors to cap tables. I mean, there's a lot of innovation in terms of how these managers are pushing the boundaries above and beyond their strategy. So I think from both a financial and impact perspective, we're seeing early, you know, early indications of the results we were hoping to see. And then from a broader goal of how do we bring more foundations into these types of strategies, as Larry reflected, you know, Ford was one of the first private foundations coming to the table, right, to partner with Fairview, despite their their incredible track record. And so for us, you know, a, a true indicator of success is this partnership with FISA um, and bringing other foundations in would be incredibly exciting as, as Larry and his team go out to market um, for the, the second phase of this fund this year. Visa Foundation, as I understand, essentially has its, wants its whole endowment to uh, be mission-driven or mission-aligned. And so what you're saying is that this is part of the, as it is, as it is at, at, on the Ford side, but this is part of the core endowment. This is not a grant, an investment that's really a grant in disguise. This is part of keeping the the, the corpus intact and 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 driving returns that can give out yeah. that can that can provide for grants. That's exactly it. And we were very you know focused on that piece that we wanted this to be part of our core endowment activity. And that means it has to hit certain hurdle rates and return expectations that can support the the rest of the activities. So is this something you know as you looked at it and and you're you're, you're thinking about your investments? You know, would it be appropriate for sort of you know foundations that have not evolved, let's say, as 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 far as 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 you two have. No, absolutely. So um, Larry mentioned it earlier as well that there is a couple of other smaller foundations as well that participated in the round that Visa Foundation participated in. And so I would say this is um, some of these investment opportunities absolutely align with the fiduciary duty that all of us need to have as we make investments. Um, one thing that we've been pushing our board at Visa Foundation is that certainly fiduciary duty is on the financial side, but also on the social and the impact side. So to your point, David, um, you were referencing that Visa Foundation, the goal is to align 100% of our assets for impact um, across, so all of our activity across the endowment um, aligns with the broader vision and mission of Visa Foundation. We certainly um, are focused on making sure that as we make investments, like in the Fairview Capital Fund, um, they hit those programmatic areas, but also uh, we do a very deep uh, diligence as it relates to all the investment activity that many other institutional um, uh, asset allocators do as well. One thing that I would also highlight is that um, it is important to think about um, you were referencing earlier that second, sometimes second uh, time fund managers have a harder time to raise capital. This 
this our hope was that with fund of funds like this one you are creating a smoother pathway for some of these fund managers to continue growing their track record and their expertise and learn from the enormous skill set and expertise that folks like Fairview Capital has as they are handholding some of this maybe handholding is not the right but like you know like advising um, these fund managers through their journey um, and I and I, I would hope that we are seeing you know like the next fund is in the hundreds of millions and then there is many other endowments and foundation as well that can come that would come in because as you said the 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 data is clear uh, these funds are performing in line with the better than the benchmarks for the private equity asset classes that many other institutional investors think they are outperforming as it relates to the impact consideration so from fiduciary duty we absolutely should be thinking about how much capital at scale um, we can invest in these type of entities um, to create that efficient and effective flow of capital versus kind of like picking a couple of like new emerging fund managers to tick the diversity box. So Larry, let me just give it to you to sort of bring it all together, if you would. I mean, you referenced the sort of long history and also the sort of woefully inadequate representation, but we've been hearing those numbers and those percentages for a long time now, and they haven't shifted. I think there were some numbers, you know, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd and many commitments and pledges that were made. And and I think the numbers that we saw were, you know, a tiny tick up, um, you know, not, not, not anything that, that, that could be called a, a sort of seismic change or, 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 or inflection point even per, perhaps. So why has this proven to be such a stubborn, you know, sort of intractable issue? And is this the, is this the way to unlock it? Talk about a softball question, David. I mean, obviously, I had, if I had an answer to that, I'd be two to three to four times uh, the size of capital that we're managing today. Because, look, you know, when I, I was a student, a graduate student in economics many years ago, and, um, you know, we're sort of taught that capital markets behave in a very rationally efficient way. Capital will find its way to uh, those opportunities in the marketplace that will generate, you know, the highest possible um, returns. And then I got into the venture capital business. And after a decade or so, as a direct investor, this is before starting Fairview, the light sort of went on that at the end of the day, these eponymous capital markets are really people, people who sit in offices of banks, insurance companies, sovereign wealth funds, foundations, endowments, public pension funds around the globe who are making decisions about people who are going to steward some portion of their capital. And for all sorts of reasons, um, you know, have demonstrated a kind of reluctance to uh, allocate that capital in, in such a way uh, that there are a broad spectrum of people who have the opportunity to, to steward some of it. And that, and that, at the end of the day, is what we're trying to change. I fully believed when I got into this business that if we went out and we posted the numbers, that would do it. And so we've done that, literally. I mean, 25 years in, it's, it, understand that it's, it's, a quarter of a, it's a quarter of a century before we get to the point where we're able to attract a Ford, right? So we've been at it a long time, and the, and the numbers have been there, and they continue to be there. And I'll just confess to you, it continues to be a matter of kind of pushing a boulder up a, up a hill. Had it, has it gotten easier Yes, but is it easy? No. And do I think that even today when I go into the market, my partners and I, to raise uh, capital, that um, you know we walk in and we present our case and 
it is kind of cut and dried. You know, you've got the performance, you've got the history, you've got reputable investors behind you. This ought to be an easy decision. Uh, I have yet to experience that in my, you know, 28 plus years um, at Fairview. And I wish I could tell you, I wish I could give you an easy answer um, as to why that's the case. But one thing I will say that you know, I think kind of underlies some of this issue, and it has to do with conflating uh, emerging manager programs with with set asides, and and in our experience, these two things really emanate from very different kinds of foundational premises. More times than not, you know, some institution finds itself brought under scrutiny or whatever pressure um, to make some change in how they're allocating their capital. Sometimes the response is, okay, we're going to set aside a small amount of capital over here. We're not going to be super rigorous about the criteria we sort of put around it. It will appease the the, the, the sort of near-term pressures, cause that to evaporate, dissipate, go away, but does really long-term damage to the kind of effort that the Fords and the Visas and others who are forward thinking about this and really want systemic change look at it. You have to approach this area with the same sort of intellectual rigor and discipline that you approach any other investment activity in your corpus. And if you don't do that, you are likely to generate the kinds of you know outcomes that you went into it expecting. So if you lower the bar um, and then you're, you, know, you come back four or five years later and you say, well, we tried that and nothing good happened. Well, what did you expect? Um, that's, ne- that's not the way we've approached this business from our foundation. That's not the way Nayara and Christine and their colleagues are approaching this. They fully expect to generate market level returns in this business. We're in business to generate market level returns because we're fiduciaries. We simply happen to do it with a broader aperture or lens as to the kind of people that we think are capable of generating that kind of performance. And we've done that time and time and time again. So you are actually the, uh, uh, an example, maybe maybe a decade or two earlier, of the very folks that are in the funds that the this Fairview Foundation's Emerging Managers Fund is investing in. You were you were fighting their battle uh, in a couple a couple decades ago. They're that's, fighting that's it correct. now, maybe and three, <laughs> right? And they'll be and they'll be mentoring and 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 nurturing uh, f- funds coming up. Uh, hopefully in a different environment um, a couple decades from now. That is absolutely right, David. That is what's so hopeful about what you're witnessing here with Ford and Visa and the other foundations that have joined us and others that we we are hopeful will join as as they see the kind of experience that uh, confreres in their their industry are experiencing as a result of backing this activity. Well, thank you so much, Larry Morris from Fairview Capital and Christine Looney from the Ford Foundation and Nayada Kumbuli from the Visa Foundation. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining the Agents of Impact podcast. It's a pleasure. Thanks, being with you. David. Thank you. That's going to do it for this Agents of Impact podcast. You can read more about Larry, Nayada, and Christine and Fairview Capital and the Visa and Ford Foundations at impactalpha.com. Big thanks to our guests and to our producer, Isaac Silk, and the whole team at Impact Alpha, investment news for a sustainable edge. I'm David Bank, editor and CEO. I look forward to seeing you again soon.